This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to a very special quarantine podcast for Roka Report. I'm XR Bomber here, and I'm absolutely delighted to be able to welcome former Dutch international, whose club career boasts spells at Liverpool, Chelsea, Barcelona, and obviously, most impressively, Sunderland. It is, of course, the one and only Bolo Zenden. Bolo, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hi, look, I'm fine. Thank you. I guess we're all in a difficult position at the moment, but that's the way it is. We have to deal with it. Yeah, I was going to say, how are you coping with the quarantine and, and lockdown? Are you able to keep yourself active and preoccupied? Well, the good thing, I guess, is that we don't have a lockdown like in some other countries. We're still rather free to move. But most of the time, we're at home. I've got two young boys. They need schooling. We're uh, we're busy with that. And we do uh, the grocery for the elderly uh, uh, within the family. And um, once every while I, I go out and uh, I go for a run just to stay fit. And um, yeah, that's how we uh, we go from week to week and see what the next step is in this uh, epidemic. Yes, yeah, certainly unprecedented. And it sounds like it's very similar to, to what's going on in the UK at the minute. But we've got to do what we've got to do and given the circumstances. But I want to talk to you about kind of happier times really. And talk, obviously with a, with a lack of football going on at the minute, have a bit of a chat about your career. So I wanted to start with your early career. So obviously you started in the Netherlands with PSV. Louis van Gaal takes over at Barcelona and then the following summer brings in a whole host of Dutch players, including yourself, Philip Koku and, and Cliver, and then the two De Boers came in January. So you all have been at France, I think, during that summer at the World Cup. So how did that transfer to Barcelona come about? I knew of the interest, and I knew Barca wanted to sign me after doing well at PSV, and I also featured on a few occasions against Barcelona with PSV in the European competitions. And um, just in between... Uh, the World Cup and our preparations, I believe there was two or three days where I was off. I did travel to Barcelona to finalize um, the medical and the, mm-hmm. and the contract itself. So that's why in between the end of the season and the start of the World Cup, uh, I, uh, I signed my contract. And they were eager to sign the contract before the World Cup, just in case anything, um, any other clubs came along, I guess. So moving to Spain, taking that decision to move to Spain, I'm assuming it was a, a pretty easy one. You know, if Barcelona come calling, you, you don't normally say no. But with a Dutch manager and, and four of your international teammates joining, I'm assuming it was it was pretty easy to move to the area and settle and, and the Dutch contingent kind of helped each other through that transition. Well, to be honest, I had two really 
choices to make. Um, I had Inter Milano was interested in Barcelona and I just choose what was best for me as I thought in football wise, uh, mm-hmm. what would be best for me as a player and where could I develop myself best. And I thought that was Barcelona. Uh, when I went there, I was the, um, I guess the fourth Dutchman who went that way. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, of course, we had way too many. I believe we yeah. had about eight. Uh-huh. You, you know when you're not winning that that causes a problem. Prior to that, I, I did study some Spanish uh, over in Holland without uh-huh. knowing later on I would go to Spain. Uh, I always enjoyed uh, speaking with different players in the, um, in the dressing room. And uh, one of them was uh, Ronaldo, the famous uh, El Fenomeno, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the Brazilian Ronaldo started his European career at PSV mm-hmm. um, but did speak a bit of the language so when I went to Barcelona I, I integrated rather quickly into the team and within the country because I, I always say if you move abroad uh, the most important thing is that you adapt because no one's going to adapt to you because yeah. you're the visitor and you should yeah, be yeah. adapting one of the the most important things is that you speak the language so that you can communicate with everybody in the club uh, mm-hmm. You understand what they're talking about, and of course, it's easier for yourself if you uh, if you move around in in the town that you can uh, speak a word. Yeah, of course, of course. You speak quite a few languages, don't you? If my yes. research serves me right, yes, I do. Of your time at Barcelona, then what what would you you say your best moments? What are your best memories from your time at Barca? I guess in the first year, winning the league that was mm-hmm. something special. You know, at, at Barcelona. Finishing second isn't isn't the best. Uh, we had one yeah. year where we finished second, uh, lost semi-finals in the Champions League, semi-finals in the Cup, and then the manager got sacked because obviously that's not good enough. Yeah. And then afterwards, uh, there, were, there came a new manager who wanted to to do exactly the contrary of uh, Van Gaal, mm-hmm. uh, and that wasn't that wasn't easy for the Dutch. Yeah, that's uh, if I say in a. In a nutshell, that's how it went. Uh, the three yeah. years I've been there, I really enjoyed it. I still have good memories. Uh, met a lot of uh, good people. And I'm still very welcome. Excellent. The season after Van Gaal left, you kind of didn't play as much no. um, as you had in the previous season. Yes. And then Chelsea came calling. Um, mm. And obviously you made that move to the Premier League. Did you did you push for that transfer to Chelsea? Or would you have preferred to have stayed, even if it was only as more of a squad player? No. Uh, no, no, no. It's two things. I was looking for more regular football. That's yeah. one. And if a manager uh, would come in and would be able to uh, consider you as one of your starters, mm. then, yeah, of course, why would you leave? But um, Chelsea came along and showed their interest, uh, were yeah. eager to sign me on. And I guess then for me, it was a logical next step mm-hmm. to uh, to move to um, to Chelsea. Um, yeah. I had no regrets there, but uh, sometimes you do feel that things are going towards a um, a dead end and then you have to choose your uh, uh, you have to choose wisely and and, and make a decision uh, if you want it or not that, that I guess that's football and uh, as I said you you always want to be somewhere where you feel that you're um, Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, as I said, for me, it was important to play football also to still have an eye on the on the uh, national team. Yeah. 
of course. So did, did you have other options other than Chelsea at the time? Or Well, you can imagine that if you leave Barcelona, there's quite some options. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the funny bit was that um, when I decided to go and join Chelsea, Newcastle came along and mm-hmm. it just asked if I was interested. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm not interested because I'm already given my word to Chelsea and that was yeah. my choice. Uh, yeah. But funny enough, obviously, the press picks up on that and they make mm. a story out of it. And then the first league game uh, at Chelsea was... Uh, it was against Newcastle. Chelsea-Newcastle. So you know <laughs> yeah. what the papers are about before the game. Funny yeah. enough, uh, the fans, uh, they're always um, eager to to make something funny out of it. So every time I did touch the ball, uh, there were some, uh, some funny cheers from the Newcastle fans. <laughs> but uh, then I scored the first goal and... Well, then they were a bit more quiet after that. Yeah, that was quite early on in the game, wasn't it? And how was that feeling to get off the get off the mark in the Premier League after only kind of I think it was eight minutes, was it, or something like that? Ten yeah, minutes into, like that, into your yeah. first game. How how was that feeling? Well, there's always always great, always great. It's it's, it's perfect. It's um, some of those moments you just cherish. And another thing that 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 surprised me was, um, as I said, in Barcelona, if you if you have a draw and you, you have to uh, leave the stadium. They're not really happy. Yeah. And, and we draw that game against Newcastle and I still had to walk from the stadium to the car park. Right. And I was a bit anxious to come across the fans because I thought, okay, here we go again. Uh-huh. Um, but the older fans I came across said, oh, don't worry, son. Well done. Well played. We'll get them next week. And they yeah. were so positive. It's like um, everywhere I've been in, in, in the UK, people have always been very... Uh, good to me and um, they appreciated I guess the, the way I played or what I give what I've given on the field and that was different than than in Barcelona where only results count yeah I think I think it's safe to say that wherever you've been in the UK in the Premier League um, the fans have taken to you very very well yeah um, so, and you you're definitely obviously making a name for yourself in the Premier League during your time at Chelsea and then that continued when you went to Middlesbrough and then obviously uh, to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You had a great start at Liverpool and we're playing really well, but obviously you suffered quite a bad injury in the yeah. in the Champions League, which effectively ended your season then. Yeah. Um, yeah how, did did. You, how did you cope with having to put your career on hold at that point? Well, it wasn't easy, but um, I, the, the, why, why wasn't it easy? Of course, you come to a new, to a new club and you want to uh-huh. put a stamp on it and uh, it was Champions League game against uh, Better Seville. Uh, ten minutes before the end, it was a clumsy thing with uh, the fullback, and I felt something in my knee. I still finished the game. I went to the doctor. I said, "I'm not sure something happened in my knee." Oh, I had a look at it. it were, next day, we had a scan. He said, "Well, possibly ACL rupture." I said, "No, you're joking. I couldn't believe it." I trained for another two weeks by myself. But it still didn't feel right. I went for a second opinion in Holland and said, listen, the ACL is gone. You have to get it repaired. Uh, On the day I flew to the States to get my knee surgery, that same day Liverpool flew to Japan to play the um, Intercontinental, Mm -hmm. the the, the, the club, World Club. The Club World Cup, yeah. yeah. That was a really tough one. Um, And then, you know, you're out for uh, at least uh, six to nine months. Mm-hmm. I, I I did ninety five percent of my rehab at Melwood, uh, yeah. and I had a had a very nice window where I was I was working in the gym and I had a look at the guys doing their rondos and stuff. That did make it easier, but um, 
I went to every single game. I was in the dressing rooms. I've always been part of the players. It's not that I've been away for six months and then came back in. Yeah. Uh, I trained six days a week. Uh, I focused fully on my rehab and I thought, as you say in England, take it on the chin. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to change the situation. The only thing I can change is what, how do I react to it? What am I going to do about the situation? And the only thing I could was just work as hard as I could to come back. And it, I was back in five months, I guess, five, six. Yeah. Um, but the season just ended too soon for me, mm-hmm. uh, which was on one side was a pity. On the other end, uh, it was a good moment because it meant that I could just uh, go on holidays, uh, train yeah. by myself and just do, focus on the next season. Yeah, yeah, do a proper preseason. So the next preseason was for me was perfect to step in. And then in my second season, I did my uh, exterior meniscus in the game. Yeah. And uh, that took me out again for three, three months. Yeah. So that was uh, also always in hindsight, you could say maybe you recovered too quick from your ACL. Possibly. That's how you ruptured your meniscus. Yeah. Or did I already rupture my meniscus when I did my ACL? You're never going to know. Yeah. Was it the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. was the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's possible then. One thing I'm always interested to know, like when, when you're, as a player, you're out for the yes. five, six months with um, with, a, with a quite serious injury, even though you're going into the club all the time, does the manager speak to you still? Do you still have yeah. kind of meetings with him? Rafa did. Yeah, I guess... I guess it's easier when you're always in the club. Yeah. Is that when you're not? I yeah, think that if, if you're really out of the picture and you train somewhere else by yourself, mm. you don't have a, as much feeling. But I was there seven, six days a week. Everybody saw me train from nine in the morning till five in the afternoon. Yeah. I guess it's, it would have been difficult to, um, to have missed you in that respect. Yeah. Obviously, it's two relatively big injuries during your time at Liverpool. Would you say that your time at Liverpool was the most frustrating of your career because of those injuries and obviously getting yourself back into the team twice and then and then having it being knocked back through through injury well, i don't see it that way um i still have very good feelings as i said i, I still feel very welcome uh, it makes a big difference because in that period at, at liverpool we did win quite a bit yeah, um, I did play the Champions League final, although semi not semi injured, but mm-hmm. it wasn't not fully. I fit. wasn't no, 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 because we went on pre, well, not pre season, but we did a uh, small training camp towards the final in Athens, uh-huh. and during that camp, I had a, a a clumsy tackle kind of thing with Stevie G. Yeah. And I, I fully twisted my left ankle. I had probably two tennis balls uh, in my oh, wow. ankle um, oh, wow. uh, of, of a swelling. So that was only four or five days before the final. Mm. So I thought, that's my, that's my final. Yeah. Uh, I'm gone. That's it. Uh, you know, you work hard. You did everything you could. You come back from injuries. Mm. And then all of a sudden, uh, you, you get tangled in, in a clumsy way and your ankle is gone. Yeah. But I worked 24-7 and I did start the game with, uh, with an injection and with a, a strapping. And mm-hmm. I, kn- I knew I wasn't going to finish the game, uh, but I knew I was going to play about an hour. And yeah. That's how it went down. And then Harry Kuehl came on and in the end, we lost the final 2-1. It's a low point, but at the same time, it's a high point. Uh, yeah. uh, at Liverpool, I remember the game where... West Ham was up 3-0 in the FA Cup final and Stevie G got us back 3-3 and then uh-huh. still winning on panels. Those things, they, 
I, I'm more likely to think of the good stuff than the bad stuff. Yeah, I played all the games in the Champions League. I did take a penalty in the shootout against Chelsea in the semis mm. uh, at Anfield, which was an amazing game for us. Yeah. These things I still cherish more so than the injuries. I mean, the, the injuries, they come. Yeah, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, the same at Chelsea. When I was at Chelsea, we played a semi-final return in the cup in January. And I got kicked out of the game by Teddy Sheringham. And I had a thigh laceration. Took me out for three months. And I didn't even know if I was going to play football again. Because my, my quad muscle was split yeah. over uh, all the way to the bone oh, wow. uh, for about 14 centimeters in the length. Yeah, yeah. And you never know if you're going to play again. Well, of course. But yeah. I still came back. So it's, it's, things happen, but what can you do? just happened and as i said take it on the chin get on with it yeah it's not about yeah, how often you go down it's about getting up again and that's what yeah. i always did yeah of course so that's why everywhere i've been i have fun memories i think about the good stuff mm-hmm. why should i be bothered thinking about the bad stuff you know? yeah of course yeah well i mean you've, you you've been at some some very successful football clubs and had some very successful moments like you said i think it was the end of your second season you left Liverpool yeah. um, and when you, your, your contract expired. And then you left the Premier League altogether and went to Marseille. Um, yes. So I think you, you would probably be, what, 31 at the time? 30, yeah. 30, 30, 31. Yeah. So at that point, did you think your time in the Premier League is finished? Uh, not finished. Uh, you never know in football. I guess that, that, that showed afterwards. But Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, no, I guess it was different. I played at Chelsea. I uh, had a good time at Middlesbrough. I uh, had, a, had a good time, as we spoke about, at Liverpool. So mm. what's next? I signed for two years at Liverpool and my contract was running out. And I had a good chat with Rafa. Yeah. And Rafa said, listen, if you want to stay, you can. But I'm going to get other players in. And maybe maybe should, uh, you should get a pay card or something, you know? So, right. What, what we set up is the more you play, the more you earn, which is okay. normal. We said, listen, I'm still going to buy some players. It's, it's up to you. And I said, listen, I'm going to see if there's something out there for me differently. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, I signed for Marseille. Two seasons in Marseille? Two years. Your contract expired in the summer of 2009. And then you're without a club until October when our, our club, Sunderland, um, yes. approach you to, to sign on. So how did that come about? How did signing for Sunderland become a reality? What was the story there? Honestly, I'm not sure anymore. I don't know <laughs> exactly what it was, but I really have to think how it went down. Mm. I did leave Marseille and I knew what I had in the UK. I, yeah. I knew how life was, but also how the Premier League was. But I thought maybe it was the best way to go back. I trained, I was fit enough. And then I got the invitation to go to have a test, a mm. fitness test at the Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. So I trained and we played a 11 v 11. And I remember playing well and scoring a goal. And I remember afterwards, Steve Bruce said it was, it was a no-brainer, really, to sign me on. Yeah. So I signed for two years again. Excellent. So that was, that was your, your route back to the Premier League. I'm guessing it must have been different at Sunderland, you know, having been at the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool clubs who've played Champions League and have been vying for titles. So just how different was it um, at Sunderland compared to the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool? Uh, to be honest, in the beginning, I didn't straight away notice 
a difference because uh, Sunderland is a big club with a lot of opportunities. They had that great training facilities, the, the, the big stadium, the crowd was there. But um, along the way, I did notice a difference where, as you mentioned, in all the other clubs, I've always trained and played to win trophies and to get better yeah. and, 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 and fight for the top spots. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't the case at Sunderland. And I, I really noticed that there was a change when... For example, the relegation zone came yeah. close. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's like then all of a sudden all alarm bells went off. Yeah. And that's when I really noticed, I think, okay, this is how it goes. You know, all is fine until you get to the bottom bit, you know. That was strange. That was yeah. not something I was used to. And, okay, you win, uh, okay, you lose a game, then, okay, whatever, we go again next week. I'm thinking, it, there were times when I really thought it, it, it didn't feel right. Yeah. And um, uh, that was also one of the reasons, actually, that in the end, in my second season, I played my last game away at West Ham. Mm-hmm. And we won 3-0. I scored the you first scored goal. Game, yeah. I was, uh, I captained the team from, played from the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I was leaving. I already notified the club, yeah. um, the manager. And it was because um, my contract ran out, but they offered me another year, another deal, also because that was something that was in my contract, that if I played more than half of the games or something, what it was, I had an, an automatic extension. But it was still down to me if I wanted to have that or not. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was time for me to leave. And that was one of the reasons why I thought, listen, I wasn't really, really enjoying that bit where all was fine until you, you got closer to the relegation zone. Yeah. And that's not really something I, well, and I enjoyed. And that, no. let's put it this way. And I just said, listen, this is not for me. I'm going to move on and, and see what's out there for me because I was 35 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I thought I still wanted something that I could enjoy, and the last little bit I didn't really enjoy no more. Yeah. Um, and and then we did finish tenth. Yeah. We did win the game, but all, the build up to the game wasn't what I expected it to be because I really thought we would have a proper proper go at it and mm-hmm. put everything aside. To make sure that we did finish ten, yeah. But I would almost almost say that it was it was something that just came off the cuff that we did finish tenth. Of course, yeah. some other results went our way, but we we did win three nil, and that was all we could do. Mm. We could have finished like seventh or eighth, or could have finished thirteenth or fourteenth, wasn't it? Depending. Yeah, it could go either way. The only thing you should do is win your game. Yeah. But you would expect that leading up the last week of training that you would do everything possible to get the result but i didn't feel the urge because we were safe yeah you know there there wasn't really any so what for me for me for me the big for me the 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 big um opportunity or what should be uh, something to grab onto is to say listen you have an opportunity here to finish 10th you know or maybe ninth but it was the feeling i had was just well 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're safe. We're so safe anyway. Let's just get this game out of the way. And... Oh, well, you just see what happens. Yeah. And we did win 3 0. Mm. But that wasn't like that was the whole idea. The whole mindset wasn't yeah. like, okay, let's let's do something special yeah. for the club. But even then, I think West Ham were bottom, weren't they? And they, they were already relegated. So they didn't have anything to play for. So it, it, it should have been a game that during that whole week, you, you should have, the whole team and the management should have been looking at and thinking, yeah, we can have a, a right good go here and trying to get everyone motivated for it. If you look at it that way, that, that was something that, I, that was hard for me also. In all the other clubs I've played before, yeah. uh, I played in Europe. Uh-huh. I've always played either Europa League or Champions League. And then that was the first time I didn't. Yeah. And I had some spare time. <laughs> so what I did is I had, um, I followed some Italian classes at home uh-huh. to learn Italian. So I had a private teacher coming to my home uh, once a week for a few hours just to um, say, keep me busy. But it's just that uh, I needed to play in the Champions League. <laughs> I, feel, I needed to fill a gap or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just uh, it was different. I did enjoy my time. Yeah, as I said, uh, I still have good memories. Uh, scored a few goals, met, yeah. met good people, uh, very friendly people at the club. Uh, literally, the club did everything for me they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice people working there, and also what I uh, what I really noticed it's it's with uh, Niall Quinn at the time and uh, yeah. Alan Short as chairman. The way the club was melted into uh, the area, uh, mm-hmm. into the, the 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 problems that that are in the area, um, yeah. the foundation, you know, the the, the evenings uh, organized uh, for the foundation, the, the, you know, the school set up uh, the second chance, you know, where, where mm-hmm. the kids that had problems at home or in school they came back to uh, to Sunderland uh, Stadium to have extra schooling or, or stuff like that. They were really bedded into the, into the community, and, and and that's something that. Um, and I really um, appreciate it as well. And I, and I was club captain. Yeah. So I learned a lot, which means there's two different things. Uh, the manager came up to me and said, do you want to be club captain? I said, club captain? You mean captain? I said, no, club captain. I said, uh-huh. okay, well, but what's a club captain then? What, I mean, what's the difference in a captain? I said, well, we have a captain who was obviously Lee Cadable, yeah, who goes onto the pitch with the armband. And then we have the club captain. I said, but what's the difference then? I said, well, the club captain does everything with sponsors, foundation, uh, media, all the other stuff. Yeah. So, but what's the point of not having a captain? And then it came, you know, I, I thought that was something for the captain. I said, well, we strongly feel that you should be doing that part of it. Yeah. And of course, when you do play and Lee comes off or you come on or whatever it is, you can still have the armband. But so, so there was a bit of a, a first for me where they split it up the tasks from yeah. the captain. So, is that not something you had captain. before? In, the, in your career? Oh, no, yeah. You're either captain or you're not captain. That normally you don't see. Uh, I've, I've been in talks and meetings. And stuff. I believe it was Margaret Byrne at the time. Mm-hmm. That was, um, that was uh, the, the legal advisor as well at the club. Uh, I had a lot of good chats. Yeah, I've, 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 I've learned a lot from it. So I was happy to do that. That second season, Bolo, when, when we finished 10th, obviously yeah. we lost Darren Bent in January. Um, yeah. There were still some fantastic footballers in the, in that squad. There was obviously yourself, yeah. Steed, Stefan. Um, we had, I think, we had Welbeck in on loan as well. Given yeah. that, do you think that actually Steve Bruce underachieved that season, given the team that we had? Well, we also had, uh, I believe, was it Sully Montari? Yeah. From, on loan from, from Inter or AC Milan. 
uh, goalkeeper, Simon Mignolet. Yeah. We did have quite a good team, but I'm not sure if you could say underachievers mm. if in the end you finished 10th. Yeah, I was just thinking that but obviously given that 10th place finish. Um, it could have been 14th. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I guess it's all in hindsight, so you don't really know, is it? Yeah, of course, yeah. But when I played at Middlesbrough, if you look at the players we've had back then, mm. we finished 7th in the league and won the League Cup. Yeah. Uh, played in Europe up until last 16 which was a, a very good period for the club yeah and something that we did that 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 really made um made the fans proud and uh, and still the people up at Middlesbrough are talking about that period now mm. if you look at the team that we had at Sunderland maybe you should um think that maybe we could have achieved something similar yeah given that that mid-table finish and given that the kind of attitude around the club was it's okay, you know, perhaps we don't need to give everything because we're not in the relegation zone. If everybody did have the same attitude as yourself and, and in driving the club forward and wanting to go into every game winning, them, that we could have probably achieved a bit more, maybe even got into Europe. Yeah, as I say, it's always hard to say afterwards, or is it not? It's, it's hard to tell. I can, I can assure you that obviously the Premier League is a very tough league that everybody's fighting for every sport. Yeah. It's, it's not also that... You go on the field to lose a game uh, or thinking everything is fine. Uh-huh. Uh, we still, in the team, we still have players like uh, Kieran Richardson, Andy Reid, Phil Bardsley. Yeah. I can mention still another few players that, uh, that definitely gave their role during the game. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's more the general feeling. It's more the, the desire day in, day out to get yeah. the best out of it uh, and not just on a, on a Saturday, doing everything you can during the week to be ready on Saturday. And I mean, as I said, as if you do lose a game and think, well, yeah, they're not too bothered. Thinking, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's just a general feeling. And, and yeah, maybe if, if, if we would have been different in that matter, then maybe uh, things could have been different, but. I just wanted to pick up on a, on a couple of obviously certainly Mine, and I'm sure most Sunderland fans' fondest memories of you. Um, and I couldn't speak to you uh, today without without kind of mentioning them. You kind of had a pretty good habit of coming off the bench to, to score goals. Yes. And one in much happier times for us as Sunderland fans was that goal against Spurs. Without, yeah. Within kind of eight minutes, ten minutes of you coming on, John, Jordan Henderson crosses the ball in. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind as you wait at the back post and, and watching that ball float past everybody, realise it's coming to you? Well, it's, it's, it's obviously a, a big game. Uh, it was 2-1 at a time. Mm-hmm. It's where you either consolidate your, your, your score or you go for the, for the one to finish it off. Yeah. Um, I still believe that we, we, we had a fantastic game. We played well. We really deserved the win. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in English football, if there's 10 minutes to go and they're still having a go at it, you might lose it. Yeah. Then, yeah, of course, the cross came in from Hendo. I was at the far post. And during my career, I always practiced uh, volleys in training. And if it comes in a game, you do the best you can. And uh, sometimes you have to take a chance. And, of course, these kind of balls, they can finish up in the stand somewhere on, on the third tier. Or they do uh, end up in the stench. And um, this is the one where uh, it ended up nicely at the far post. It was the... Um, the goal that sealed our win that day, and I remember my parents were there for the game to watch. Yeah. So for me to come on and uh, and score that goal, that was something uh, special for me. Yeah. Is it one of the best goals you've scored in your career? 
Uh, I wouldn't say the best, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's up there. It was a very yeah. nice one. Yeah. It was a bit of a crazy game as well. I was actually at that game. I remember I went up with one of my friends who was a Spurs fan and it was, it was a crazy game as, as well. So it was just as well that we finished it off. Cause I think, was that the one where Darren Bent missed two penalties, take yes. scored a third? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Everything was going on the game, but um, uh, no, as, 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 as we said, it's always nice in the end when you can say that you've won it. Yeah. And it was a, it was a brilliant goal to, to settle those three points. And like you said, it was a, it was a big game for us as well. That for me, I think, is certainly one of my fondest memories that I've got of you in a Sunderland shirt. The other, and I wasn't going to mention it, but I can't not mention it, was... Um, <laughs> I know what you're going to say now. Yeah. What's that? Uh, was, um, you mean Chelsea away? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, Bolo, but I'm guessing it's not something that you'd practiced. You Did could, you know you that that's tell what you were by, going to do? You could tell by the, you could tell by the dance. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you did you know that that's what you were going to do as you were running to Asamoah in the corner, or was it kind of no, a of split? Not. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's it's just that uh, you play away at Chelsea, my yeah. former team, again once again, uh, they were f- flying in the league. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, you play a good you play a good game, and you're winning three nil at the bridge. Yeah. And then the third goal comes in, and then Asamo goes to the corner where the Sunderland fans are, and he sets in his chicken dance. Um, and and he he obviously dances. Uh, he did dance in the dressing room at times, yeah. and we were having a laugh. And he was also DJing and making songs and what more he was doing back in Ghana. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just ran over to the corner and tried for whatever reason to join in. <laughs> uh, but it always um, let's put it let's put it this way: it always had to be a funny thing. It's never meant to be. No, of course, yeah. I, I, I never, never in, in a million times um, would have thought that I could pull off the same as he did. But <laughs> just hey, whatever, just join in three nil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, th- th- those sorts of results, particularly at Stamford Bridge, don't come around too often. So. No, no, no. And the funny bit is, you still get a you, due to that one. I had again a, a different relationship with the fans because uh, every time afterwards uh, I was in the game or. Uh, when I started my warm-up, the Sunderland yeah. fans started singing, Bolo, Bolo, give us a dance, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was funny. And then um, I believe when I did score my goal at uh, at West Ham, they sang it again and uh, I did dance some kind of shuffle. Yeah, I, rem- I kind of I believe, remember. I, I, it's, uh, I believe it was, you know, you had LMFAO that had this, uh-huh. this, this crazy dance at that time. Yeah. Uh, where they ran in the streets and they did this dance. And... Um, I did something like that. It's just, it's all for the banter. And I, I think I speak for every single Sunderland fan so that we loved every moment of that. It was, it was, it was brilliant. Um, it made, it, it, it made Twitter and the match of the day. So your that, um, that game against West Ham was your last game. Um, yes. where you were captain, you scored. Like you said, you made the decision that you weren't going to to extend your stay at Sunderland. Obviously, you didn't play again professionally after you after you left the club. Um, yeah. But you did go into into coaching. Now I know that a lot of Sunderland fans would have liked to have seen you stay at the club, um, mm-hmm. if not in the playing capacity, then certainly in a coaching capacity. Was that ever on the table for you? Once no. you just no. no. Uh, in my mind, I was going to play again. Okay. Um, the manager Steve Bruce said, "If it doesn't work out for you, the door is always open. I could come back." I'm thinking, yeah. "Well, I made a decision that I'm leaving, and that's it." Yeah. Um, I did want to go somewhere to play another year. Uh-huh. Uh, nothing to do with finance, nothing to do with the club or whatever. I just wanted to be somewhere where I could join 
my my last year or maybe two because I was fit. Yeah. In a different way. And a few things came along, but nothing really came that that set my eye to mm-hmm. that fitted my situation because my missus was pregnant and then she gave birth to our first and um I had, for example, the opportunity to go to China. I'm thinking why would I still go to China? Yeah. Do I go on my own? Do I bring a two month year old? Yeah, China somewhere. Uh, I was just not having it, mm. and I did have um, uh, contact with um, Blackburn Rovers at the time, that was still in the Premier League. I did speak to Celtic at the time, but it didn't work out. Um, and I trained for a year for myself. I was fit as a fiddle. Yeah, uh, I was yeah. Really, I could join in without any problems. Uh-huh. Um, but it didn't really happen. And then the year after, Rafa Benitez, uh, which I still had contact with. He said uh, if I was interested in joining in as an assistant manager. Yeah. And I, and was I, I frankly he was said the same. At the time. No, no, he, he wasn't anywhere. Oh, okay. And, uh, no, no, he wasn't anywhere yet. And I said, um, I said quite frankly, I said it depends where. Mm. I'm not going to go just anywhere. And he said, well, it's in the Premier League. It's 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 a top four team. So then I was thinking, okay, there can only be one. Yeah. Uh, one or two, and I believe it was either. Manchester City or Chelsea. Uh-huh. And then I believe it was Mancini extended his contract or something. And then uh, Di Matteo went out because he was under pressure. They were yeah. eighth in the league or seventh in the league. And they were struggling to qualify in the Champions League. And then he went out. And then Rafa called me again a few days after or day after. And he said, uh, make sure you're, uh, you're in London tomorrow. And then I went to Chelsea. Wow, so as a, 24 as hours notice. His, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was very short notice. So I said to the missus, I said, <clears throat> we're off to London tomorrow. <laughs> By the way. Well, I first went on my own. but uh, Yeah, and that was the same at Sunderland when, just to, pick, to, 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 to go back to that one, I believe it was Steve Bruce that just extended his contract uh-huh. uh, in the month before the end of the season. And I thought, okay, this, I'm not going to stay. Yeah, and then three months after, or five months, three or five months after I left, he he got sacked. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just to finish up, Bolo, I've yep. got a couple of quick fire questions that I want to yes. finish up with, which kind of summarizes or sums up your, your your career. So the first one is, who's the best player that you've played with in your career? Ronaldo, a Brazilian Ronaldo, of course. The yeah. Brazilian at, at Ronaldo, PS, yeah. PSV, yeah. Yeah, I played three years with him yeah. when he came uh, from Brazil to Europe first. Uh-huh. And um, I guess I've had many great players. Yeah, of course. Also yeah. at, at Barca, but just just for two reasons, I guess maybe his mm-hmm. um, what he what he did when he came from uh, from Brazil to to Europe. Yeah, uh, I've seen him mostly every day in training, but also his personality he was a great guy. Yeah, considered him as a friend. A good choice, I'm sure many many people would agree with you. Um, the best player that you played against. Um, I I guess I would say uh, Michael Reisiger. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to play obviously at Ajax, and a lot later on I played with him at Barcelona. Yeah, but he was a very clever and quick uh, right back. Yeah. Okay. The manager that you had the best relationship with? Um, I've had a few, mm-hmm. uh, but I have to pick only one. Yeah, that's a different. That's <laughs> sorry. <a problem>. Um. <laughs> I, I think I had a good relationship, a good feeling with Frank Reichardt. Yeah. 
uh, when he was at the national team. Uh-huh. Um, I can only give you one example. We played the Euros in 2000. Uh-huh. And I played with number five because the first game of the tournament I played left back. Yeah. And then we went for the second game in the tournament. And in training, I played left winger and Overmars right winger. But mm. Overmars didn't want to play on the right. He wanted to play on the left. So manager came up to me and says, listen, Bolo, we have a problem. We all know what it is. Do you mind playing on the right? I said, listen, it's not my per- uh, preferred position, but for the team, I'll do it. Then we mm. played against Denmark and I had a horrible first half. I couldn't get past Jan Heinze, the left back for yeah. Denmark. And we struggled in the, in the game. And then in the second half, uh, Ronald De Boer was warming up and he would definitely come on as a right winger. Mm. I'm thinking, okay, this is not looking good. Uh, what have I done, you know? And then the, um, the substitute board came on and he took off Overmars. So he put me on the left and Ronald the ball on the right. And in the game afterwards, uh, I gave an assist and I scored a goal. And I played the rest of the tournament as a left winger. Mm. Um, just try to explain the feeling that you then have is that the manager pays you back for the trust that you obviously yeah, of course. given earlier on that you put yourself on the, on the line. Yeah. And uh, I had a great tournament. Yeah. The last couple then are kind of more Sunderland related. So who was your closest friend in the Sunderland dressing room? Ooh, um, I had a few good relationships. You can give me, you can give me a couple if you're going to upset somebody by picking one over the other. <laughs> no, uh, the funny thing is I still have contact with several of them. Uh, Simon Mignolet, I'm still uh-huh. talking to. Uh, just the other day I had a, uh, I had a um, conversation with Paulo da Silva. Yeah. Um, one of them for sure was uh, Jibril Cisse. Yeah. Jibril. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And who? Oh, so, a few good ones. It's good that you, especially Paulo da Silva, I wouldn't have expected. I would have expected him to have kind of left the club and then no one really hear from him again. But um, No, no. And even uh, the other goalkeeper, Greg Gordon, Michael Turner, was a good guy. Yeah. yeah, just I had, I had listen. I hardly have problems with anybody. In those two years that you played at Sunderland, who who would you say was the best player that you played with? Then uh, that's hard, hard yeah. to pick. Just <laughs> you know, the thing is, everybody has their own qualities in their own positions. Yeah, that's how it's. That, yeah, of course. That, that's who, why. Oh, okay, so who was the best footballer then? Would you say like the most technically gifted? I enjoyed Steed. Mm-hmm. Steed Malbranca had a good. Very good quality. Um, I liked him as a player. Yeah. But he, he, he didn't play too much either yeah. on the bruise. Uh, I still believe afterwards he went to back to Lyon and played Champions League and everything. Yeah, he did, yeah. 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 I think that was one of the most frustrating things for, for Sunderland fans is the fact that, you, that for some reason yourself and Steed didn't really get the minutes that, that we'd hoped that you had because you technically were probably two of our better players. But. Yeah, I guess that... Maybe due to the way we played, where many times maybe you did play a little bit more opportunistic with a long ball up to our big man, um, Cameron Jones. Yeah. Or maybe with Darren. Yeah. You know, put him in a channel and let him run. Um, we played slightly different than what we could. Because if, if you see how our friend Hendo mm-hmm. is doing at the minute at Liverpool, yeah. he's a totally different player than. And maybe when he was at um, Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. yeah. We had a few players that could definitely play in a different way. 
than what we did. Yeah, they, you were instructed to to play in a certain way, obviously. It, it was probably a little bit restricting. Okay, so final one from me then, Bolo. Yes. Um, do you have any regrets from your time at Sunderland? No. No? No time for a regret? No. No, no seriously. Currently, you're, you're with PSV in, on the coaches. Yes, yes yeah. I'm assistant manager. I, I, I've been managing ever since I started with Chelsea. I did uh, Chelsea for a year, then I did the reserve team at PSV for a year. And then I went into, um, you know, as a specialist coach where I trained the forwards uh, yeah. at PSV, the first team. Yeah. Uh, and I was part-time assistant manager. And uh, in December, our coaching staff got uh, sacked due to the results. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to help out the club as an assistant manager, which I did. And um, for next year, we'll have a new manager. Yeah. And talks are still going on to see if I'm going to be doing something again with the first team. Yeah. And do you, do you have aspirations to be a number one one day? Or you, you not, have sure. To, not sure. Yeah, not sure. Not sure. But um, more likely, I'm going to be a specialist trainer again next year. Yeah. Well, Bolo, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. I wish you all the very best for the future. Bolo, thank you ever so much. Um, stay safe. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up again at some point. Um, yeah, you too. Thanks. Also to all the listeners, stay safe. And um, after the rain, you know yeah. what? Some will come out. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.